Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from three different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, and Paradise Hills for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals. And I'm Gary Hodges. I'm the creator, writer, and artist behind D vs. M, an indie comic series. We, we did it. You're like the, we did it. the esteemed guest. I, we don't know how many times you've been on now. Six minimum, <laughs> oh, right? Wow, yes. has it been that many? Maybe it has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, the, it's, the holiday episode, that's two per year right there. That's true. That's yeah. true. Maybe more than six, if you yeah. count those. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Okay, so we're actually here in Phoenix, Arizona. Is your, are we in Phoenix? Is that your... Okay. We are in I Phoenix. I was like... Sometimes you can just move a couple of blocks and then you're in a kind of a different city or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we are in Phoenix. We're here for Phoenix Fan Fusion. Uh, so we're here at the the Hodges Estate. Um, <laughs> Hodges Estate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. Established 1951. That's yes, right. Very, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just got done setting up for Phoenix Fan Fusion. We're here out early on the Thursday. And uh, so right after that, we got some food. Now we're back here at Gary's Place, and we're drinking some beers. So, uh, Keith, what do you got going today? What do I have? I have uh, uh, my my selection from Gary's Refrigerator, uh, a beer I believe you had within the last two months on the, on the pod. Um, I have Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout from North Coast Brewing Company. So, yeah, we've got a nice straight-ahead stout here. It's, it's been a while since I've drank a stout that is not – aged in bourbon barrels and is not 17 and a half percent so it's nice to just get back to a good old-fashioned stout and this bad boy is 12 ounces at nine percent so a nice a nice punch um in a you know compact normal beer bottle so we'll see there where uh, where this takes me yeah right on and uh, me and Gary, we're actually drinking the same beer. So, Gary, what what are we drinking? We're drinking uh, one of my favorite breweries, Dogfish Head. We're drinking their Sequench Ale. Um, how would you describe it? I would say it's very limey, a little – it's got a just a hint of maybe saltiness to it. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what makes it different from like a Corona with lime in it then? Hardly anything. I would yeah, say. hardly. Oh, anything. really? <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> I would say that's actually a fair. It's the best Corona with lime you've ever had. I would say. Uh, I, yeah. Corona to me is a little too hoppy. Okay. Uh, and I feel like this is is it's a better, uh, milder lime. Well, now I'm pissed sorry. that I went with this stout because you you scared me off with it's a sour. And, want, and then I like made the vampire. You want to try? No, no, no. I'm drinking this. Okay, it's fine. all right. Oh, yeah. I, I, wouldn't I wouldn't mix it with the recipe. I wouldn't dare. No. Let this go to waste. Now right. I have opened it. I am drinking it. And it's, I think, a fine stout. I'm yeah. a big fan of Rasputin. Yeah, yeah. yeah and this uh, Sequench Ale se- uh, Season Sour or Session Sour um, is twelve ouncer. 4.9% ABV. So mm. it's a smaller can and it's yeah. not too crazy. So. Not too crazy. Yeah. I'm and the alcoholic. On the can it claims. Let's <laughs> Only see if here. you consider it a problem. <laughs> if you don't, you're just a guy drinking another beer. That's today. true. That's true. <laughs> the sequench can alleges blissfully brewed with lime juice, lime peel, black limes, and sea salt. So there we go. I don't even know what a black lime is, but apparently. Oh, it is a moldy lime. <laughs> that's what we, we that's, call it here. it was a funkiness i don't yeah. know what blissfully brewed like is there science science behind were they just really happy when they made it so i guess that counts for something does that mean they're not happy when they make their other beers it's like yes. fair trade yes. um, yeah, yeah free range employees free range. <laughs> right so it's all those things 
Oh, uh, yeah, I think I think <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Free range yeah. employees. By implication, other beers are sweatshopped brewed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. miserably uh, brewed. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> it's all they can do to show up to work brewed. <laughs> they hate their jobs, man. Right. You they are allowed it. to drink on the job, though, so that's yeah. something. It's yeah. something. All right, so uh, do we want to talk about Phoenix Fan Fusion first, or do we want to hop into our first things uh, that we did this week, or what? <laughs> so I don't know. Do we want to talk about the reason for the season? Is that what you're saying? Um, why don't we just go into our first thing? I think we we're here for Phoenix Fan Fusion, and I think that'll play into what Gary talks about. So let's let me just start with my first thing of the week, right? Um, so, and we're we're going to do what we always do with guests, right? We're going to talk about one thing, and then we'll we'll finish with the guest, and then just see where it goes from there based on the guest. Um, so for me. I, I'm in a place where I have a good problem to have. And the good problem to have is there are three stories that I I am excited to write that are vying for my writing time. And of course, we know how this works. The moment where you have three stories that are vying for your time, your schedule is completely fucked. And that's what it is. Like, I'm not going to write while I'm here. I'm not going to write this weekend while I'm working conventions. I didn't write much during the week because, you know, it's my high schooler's last week or so of school, my wife's birthday, you know, all these events. So, you know, I've been carving time whenever I I can, but it, it is a pretty cool place to be, you know, where, where you have three stories that you're interested in writing. You know, the first one is the second novel. So the update on the second novel is that I've done the necessary character work and I'm getting back into it. And I have actually, as of a few days ago, I wrote myself to the point in the story where this is the furthest I've been from the Shire. There are, there are, there's nothing to edit. The next word I write will be the deepest I have gone into the novel and then the word after that. So it's a neat place to be because now I'm ready to just explore the novel again with a much more in-depth knowledge of the main characters, the main villain, et cetera. Right. So, so that's one of the things. And then the other thing is that I have begun to uh, script out on a page level and therefore the panel level animals number two. So as of last week, the outline was complete at a page level and now it is getting, or, you know, the, the, every page I know what's going to happen. And then if I knew something interesting was going to happen, I'll pop in some dialogue or I'll pop in an action that I really want to be on that page to serve as the anchors. And, uh, and now I'm actually writing that stuff out. So that's also been pretty fun. Um, and I'm eager to get back to that. And then compounded on top of that, is uh, is a third story, which I talked about last week on the pod. So as of re- this recording, Gary isn't that familiar with it. But the three of us were chopping it up on chat about the nature of the story, right? So I'm not going to mention it here, but it's a story I'm very excited about. It's a story that I feel is best told in comic book form, not even close, because I think your first question to me when we were talking about it on the drive here was, is this a novel or a comic book or a short story? And it's like, it's a comic book. Like this thing is meant to be visual. And I believe the storytelling method is such that it, comics are what this was meant for. Yeah. Like after you clarified, you're like, you know, it's a comic. I was like, okay, good. Because when we were talking about it, I was like, this is going to be an interesting way to do as a short story or a novel. In my head, it's clearly a visual aspect of of how you want to tell the story. Yeah. That would be 
more clear and easier to do. Yeah. So, but it definitely sounds like a fun story for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm happy to say that I already have an artist lined up for the story, which is really cool. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be working with him again. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll use it a little bit more as I actually start getting pages in. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. And again, it's this it's this good place to be where you're full of energy for not one story but three. Yeah. But boy, that can be its own kind of maddening embarrassment of riches because now yeah. all three are vying for my time. So which one do I write? Right. You know, if I can write anything I want and I'm excited equally about all three, which one do I write? You know, so I will get to that when it comes to the next time I sit down to write. Is that is that going to be a four-issue story? Yes. Okay. That's, I think so. That's okay. As, as conceived... It is four issues. That makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, all very cool. When multiple projects are vying for your time, the thing that you can do is write it down on paper. Yeah. Like make the schedule, right? Like look at it and go, okay, well, what am I doing right now? Okay, I have to finish Animals. We're, you know, rounding out Kadoja. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Three Protectors is right there. So you got to throw it in the schedule and see what works. Yep. And it's tough because sometimes you can have a project that you're excited about. And then you have to keep pushing it back because you got deadlines for other stuff. And that was with Paradise Hills. It was like mm -hmm. a legit year before I could work on it. After I was like, after the inception of it, I was like, oh man, this is this is going to be a really fun story. I really want to do this. And it was baking in the back of my head for a year, but I knew I couldn't do it. So it's just like, all right, you can do little things here and there, you know, like the, the cloud gathering, the composting, mm -hmm. you can do that aspect of it. But as far as drawing it goes, you don't have the time. It's in the back of the list. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, in our case, right, like Gary slaves over one comic. So for him, it's always going to be focused on that comic. You and I, we have multiple comics, and I, I think for the people out there that are listening that have multiple projects, you know, something we do, which you were just hinting at, is you almost create this, you know, sort of assembly line of the comics. You know, like for, for me, so like Three Protectors, right? Three Protectors, the second script is written. I'm just going to get, I'm going to get started with the artist next week on it. So I'm going to start to get pages back. Kadoja is not only written, but I'm getting, I'm further along in getting the pages back from that. So those are the things that kind of like closer to the finished goods end of the supply chain. Right. right. And then we move further back in the supply chain and we get these things that are, you know, anywhere from early execution, which would be animals number two and the novel and the second novel to even further back the cloud gathering and i think you know that's that's the thing that you can to your point you can use that to your advantage you know last night um my my wife and kids wanted to go to a bts uh pop-up exhibit well the, you know no one listening to this podcast should be surprised to know that i didn't want to go to that <laughs> so i i because and i was like okay well i'm gonna find a spot nearby and i'm gonna drink a beer and that's what i did and i had my phone with me and that's when i just jotted i was jotting down stuff about this new comic and then those things led to questions and that's what led to you know a pretty lengthy chat that the three of us had on a couple of the questions i had so it you know it, it's helpful to kind of see your projects as you know from less finished to more finished and if, and if your brain's working and you're doing the hard work uh, behind it, then you can always keep that supply chain going. And, you know, by the time three protectors and Kadoja are rolling off the assembly line as fully formed comics, then animals number two will be getting drawn. And then I'll be thinking of the next thing that comes behind that. So it's, yeah, it's fun. 
Um, yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll do mine next, and then Gary will go to you, because okay. um, we're going to spend a lot more time on, on the things you did. Um, but for me, what I did this past week was gear up for Phoenix Fan Fusion. It was just all of, okay, what do I need to have, what's not ordered, um, scrambling, like... I mentioned on last week's pod that I was doing two prints, potentially three, and if I could get them done on time and have them printed on time for the show. So luckily, um, my printer, my book printer, who is here in, in Phoenix, he said that I can send him the prints, he can get them done pretty quick, and I can pick them up on the way to Phoenix Fan Fusion. So it all worked out. Um, so I was able to finish all three prints. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them are black and white. They're my like ticket stub prints that I do, so I don't need a colorist for it. It's just like, okay, I draw them, I tone them, all of that stuff. It's all me. Mm-hmm. So I was able to knock two out. Um, the one I needed help with was the... Uh, TMNT print that I was doing and so that was first on the list it's like okay get that done and then get that colored and while that's being colored you can work on the other ones Mm -hmm. so Joaquin uh, unfortunately was booked up all the way till June um, 6th or something like that so I wasn't able to go through him but I had another colorist friend uh, Jeremy Cox who's from uh, Wildstorm and uh, is a freelancer and he actually works for uh, DC Um, he was available and so um, I got him to do it. It looks pretty awesome. I'll show you guys after uh, the, the the pod here. And But I really dig it. Um, it's so different from how Joaquin colors me. Um, but it's still really, it's like, it's cool in a completely different way. You know, it's interesting to see how two different colors approach my work. And it's just, it's so different. And, and I, I like it a lot. And so it, it kind of want it, it gives me this want to try like inkers, like people to ink who ink completely different than the way I draw. Like on top of me, I'm curious what their stuff would look like over my work. So it's just kind of all these uh, uh, weird things, like when it comes to art, things that you can do to make it different and like how different stages of your art career you can feel about it. Like I know when I was first drawing, it's like, no, that's how I drew it. When someone inks me, I want them to ink it exactly how I drew it, but Mm -hmm. it just needs to be inked. And then now it's kind of like, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what other people would do and yeah. maybe it would be cool. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of becomes – you become a different artist together. Yeah. Like you know, when someone else works on top of you, they're either really faithful to your line mm-hmm. or they're going to put a little bit of themselves into it. And you're curious what element they're going to bring that either improves your work maybe lessens your work or maybe just makes it different mm. and it makes it interesting to look at. So, right. um, yeah, just seeing two colorists handle my work in two different ways is, is really cool. Yeah. Um, so that's mainly what I did. Mm. A story that may only interest me. Scott and I share a couple vendors. And so, uh, Scott was hustling to get some stuff here and I was hustling to get some stuff here too. So I contact my vendor you know, one of them and I say, Hey, um, is this going to be ready this week? Because if it is, can you ship it to my buddy in Arizona? In the meantime, I cleared that with you. And he's like, yeah, it's going to ship tomorrow. So I gave him all that information. It shipped, you know, or it was getting ready to ship. Then the next morning I wake up and he's like, hey, since uh, since you and Scott had the same address um, I'm uh, that you're shipping stuff to, I, uh, I just went ahead and put it at the same box. Is that okay? So we didn't talk. Like, that's what I find. It's yeah. funny. It's like there's three of us sitting here at the table and none of us talk to each other about this working and the vendor put it together that like, Oh, you two are shipping to the exact same place. I'll combine the shipments and that'll save you money. Yeah. The, the funny part about that is 
I asked Gary after I already sent it to his right. house. Oh, he, right. <laughs> in the group chat, I said, hey, Gary, is it cool if I send something to your house? Right. And, and <laughs> Gary was like, so, but like Keith already sent it to the house. Right. And I was like. <laughs> and I think, in fact, I already have it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I like just didn't say anything. So, so like, yes. Shit, probably should have cleared that first before I went and did it. <laughs> well, fortunately, Keith had. So I was expecting yeah. a package. Right. So I didn't really think and, about yeah. it. Yeah. And, um. I knew you were going to be cool about it. No, yeah. was the thing. I was oh, like, totally. Gary's not a dick. He's yeah. not going to be like, uh, no, nah, I don't yeah. really want you to send it. I mean, is it a refrigerator? Yeah. Right. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, please yeah. don't. So I was like, yeah. I'll clear it with him when, when I know it's going to go there for sure. <laughs> right. yeah. And then when he was like, yeah, it'll make it there. And I was just like, right, hey, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he already cleared that. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> my second year running shipping from that vendor to you. That's too, right. Just yeah, oh, we did that last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was a little embarrassing for me. I was like, oh, man. There's nothing to be embarrassed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was for like one second. And yeah, like, yeah, and you were <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. 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 You were Gary, Gary's fucking Gary's Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. He gets it. He, he gets, gets it. it. I do. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that was my thing. Gary, what did you get done this week? This week has mostly been the run-up to Fan Fusion, uh, which I don't have nearly as ambitious a spread as you guys do at the table. But there's still just stuff to do. You know, I did, needed to come up with some signage. I needed to update my square to figure out what am I charging people. I have this year, so I have three books on sale. Um, and to try and lubricate the masses, it'll be a thing if you buy all three. I knew you'd like that word. Uh, <laughs> if you buy all three. Love that album. Great album. I uh, yeah. have... Uh, I got these little sil- metallic silver envelopes, and I found these cool confidential red stickers on Amazon. I throw some D versus M stickers into the silver envelope and throw a confidential sticker on it. If you buy all three books, you get one of those for free. It's a silly thing. It hardly cost me anything. But it's kind of a, a fun extra incentive mm-hmm. for people who buy all three or fence sitters. If I have someone sitting there hemming and hawing, I don't know. It's like, look, what if I threw in some stickers? Like, like I like having something like that in my toolbox to try and... Yep. It's it's a great tool to have. Um, people love free shit. Yes. That's like number one when you're selling. They love free shit. So something that Keith does that I've adjusted at the table was I would discount my books. I'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if you buy all three, I'll cut it down to this, right? right? And that's not a great practice because your margins on comic books, like, well, a 22-page comic full color, it's a lot lower than it is like a black and white or something, right? Right. So it's just like, yeah, you really shouldn't discount your comics, but what you can do is throw shit in for free. Yes. And that opens something up in my mind because I have so many prints that I'm like trying to clearance out. It's like, I just need to get this shit out of here. Mm -hmm. And you can throw those in for free and people feel like they're getting a deal. And so for you, you're clearing inventory that you do not want. Right. And for them, they're getting something. They feel like they're getting over on you a little bit because they're getting some free stuff. That, that's what I did at the last convention I went to. I went to the Arizona Comic Book Arts Festival, and I didn't want to order anything new. This was the first, uh, first their first show. And there was a big question mark, like, is anyone even going to show up? <laughs> so I didn't want to spend a bunch of money on banners and signage and, oh, get magnets and buttons. I didn't want to do any of that because it's like, well, there might be four people there. So I looked around my closet. It's like, what's something I can throw in? And I had what you were talking about, my old uh, Art of Dinosaurs versus Marsbots books. And I was like, well, that's what I'll do. If someone buys 
a couple books, I'll throw one of these in for free. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's this thing where it cost me nothing. I just wanted to get it out of my closet. Yep. And it's like, well, is this win-win? Someone feels like they got something and yeah, and I get rid of it. Yeah, yeah those, those things are great too because they're something that's in um, a lower print run and it's kind of this relic of the past. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I love that type of stuff. That stuff geeks me up. A uh, conversation Keith and I were having on the way up was – do people really care about stretch goals, like stretch goal items for your Kickstarter? Do they really care about it? Keith was falling on the side of mostly no, mm-hmm. and, right? Is that right? Yeah, my, yeah I, 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 think sure it, that, yeah. I think it's mostly no. Um, but there's cool stuff, right? Like like the metal bookmark we were talking about. Like mm-hmm. That's just freaking cool. Yeah. Like, if you read a lot, if you're a reader, bookmarks are very helpful. And it's a cool shiny metal one. It has yeah. a cool art yeah. on it. Yeah, why not? Very cool. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I have a radical pro metal bookmark stance you know that's part of my, that's my political platform <laughs> right yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah not as controversial yeah um as gary's ranch stance um, but um yeah i love that type or of stuff. my stance on ballads since we're here yeah right <laughs> um so but yeah to um one that i was geeked up about for a kickstarter i just backed it was a carl kershaw one and it was like he hit the stretch goal everyone gets a free sketchbook and for me that's sketchbooks are really cool like Mm -hmm. i love artist sketchbooks like i have a habit of collecting them at conventions Mm -hmm. i was like okay let me go around check these artists out that i I really enjoy and let me see what they got new and if they have a sketchbook i'm picking it up it's just like yeah here's twenty dollars because that's usually what it costs but for me it's like this is kind of a catalog of their art career because every year or two they'll come out with a new one and it's like you have those you get to watch their growth and kind of their technique and stuff and, and you know, as an artist, right? Like it's very interesting to yeah. see. No, absolutely. So yeah, as a stretch goal, like that's really cool. And the fact that you are going to give those out, it's just like, dude, that's pretty awesome. Like right. I think you can just straight up sell that at the table as well. I could and I have in the past. And these are leftover books just for context. So when I first started doing cons, which would have probably been in... 2014 or 15, something like that. This was before I had the comic books. I was just doing prints and the art book, and I had a coloring book, uh, like a, a, yeah, a very winky coloring book that was like, learn all the top secret information about the Dinosaur Martian War in this coloring book. You know, mm-hmm. And you'd go through and you'd see pictures of dinosaurs eating aliens, and you could color them. And there, but I would have a lot of prose, basically, narrative in there that is still consistent with the canon of the comics. Like, I haven't contradicted any of it. Yeah. But that's what I was doing, and I finally just decided, no, I want to steer... I I was having more fun telling the stories than I was drawing the prints. Mm -hmm. So I had all these leftover books, and uh, I had moved on from them. It wasn't really my brand anymore. I was doing this sort of adult-oriented black-and-white comic, and these were... The art books in particular were... Just colored prints, more cartoony, a little winky, a mm. little sort of fun yeah. B-movie in spirit. And there were a couple cons where I would have comics and that old stuff, the coloring book, the prints, things like that. And I felt like I was confusing people who were going by. Um, they, okay. I think they felt like they were looking at two different tables. Because you have this, again, hard-edged, more adult-oriented comics. And then you have this stuff that looks like Jurassic Park meets Mars Attacks. Like mm-hmm. it, was, yeah. it was very goofy and silly, and, and kids are being drawn to one section, but then they can't look at the books, and it right. was just confusing. Mixed messaging, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? I've moved on from this. I don't, I'm not passionate about it anymore. I'm, I care about the comics. I care about the storytelling in the comics, so I'm just not going to 
I'm not going to bring this in. Yeah, I'm not going to stock it. But I still had a box. Yeah. So it's like anytime I see an opportunity of like, well, if I can pass one out. But I'm done. And they were paid 4,000 years ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I ordered yeah. a batch of them. I sold enough where it's like this is all now just basically a write-off. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you now have three books for sale. And last yeah. time we talked to you, you're still in the midst of creating uh, yes. D versus M 1979. So that finally wrapped. How are you feeling? Um, you've been getting this. I, I haven't. I watched half of the video, um, but you were talking about it's out in the world and you're getting some feedback. Yeah. So how you number one, how are you feeling about finishing the book? And two, how is the uh, feedback going? OK, I'm going to take the second part first. OK. Feedback has been great. Uh, knock on wood. I'm very grateful and very thankful. But I just uh, people seem and it only takes one or two of these. But just to go. There are a few, and again, I like them all. They're all my kids, and I feel like the goal for me, each one, for people who are unfamiliar with D D versus M, each one is a standalone story. They're all connected. It's all part of a larger narrative. You can read them in any order. It doesn't really matter, you know, and you get a complete story in each one. That being the case, I write them so... I expect and want everyone to argue over which one's their favorite. Mm. You know, I want some people to say, like, I really like the man in black one, or I really like the one with Jenny, or I really like the one with the scientist, whatever. You know, I, I want that. And I feel like if I'm doing my job well, there should be some debate because it'll be a personal thing. Like, this is the story that I related to, so this one's my favorite. Or this is a character I like, so that one's my favorite. Um, that being said, I have had a few people say... I think this is your best one yet. And that kind of just makes your day where right. you feel like you want to believe, even though you're trying to make them all equivalently good, you want to believe you're getting better and better. And you want to believe that that investment in yourself is getting somewhere, you know, like I'm learning more and more. Therefore, I think each one should be better. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, in, and maybe that doesn't mean that the first one's no good, but no. I would like, I'm trying to raise my game every time. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to take everything I've learned and everything I wish I had done differently previously. It's like, okay, now, now that I'm a, a junior rather than a freshman, how would I approach this? Mm -hmm. And um, So I feel good about that. Uh, feedback's been really, really positive, which is great. Especially since I thought this is perhaps, this is a weird selling point, uh, the weirdest of the six that I have planned. I think it's the one that huh. might be, I, I could totally be wrong, but I feel like it's the one that's maybe hardest to sell. I don't know. I, and mm -hmm. you guys have read it and I'm too in it. I'm on my side. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the first one is really just like men in black mm -hmm. showing up. Like there's a, there's a UFO in it. Like, and you know, that's very accessible and you feel yeah. like a lot of people might be interested in that. Right. And the second one you have, hello. Oh, Gary. Gary's, Gary's uh, kitty is making a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a guest, guest appearance. Yes. He's, 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 he wants to contribute. Um, it's getting close. He's to like the third one sucks. Close to his dinner time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, like, I didn't like it. There's no cats. Um, <laughs> the second one. I think the main character, a lot of people really like Jenny, who's the main character of the second yes. one. Mm -hmm. and I am all, one of those people. Oh, yeah. there you go. I really mm -hmm. liked her, too. And I think they also like, even if they don't care about the character stuff, they love that it is batshit crazy action in the middle of it. I'm you curious know. who doesn't like the character stuff, because 
That's essentially what your book is. It is what your book is. Yeah, it is. I, I agree. Your book is a character. I, I, I think I've said this before, maybe not on the podcast, but like you remind me so much of uh, one of my favorite indie books of all time, aka Goldfish. By Brian Michael Bendis. I've gotten some Brian Michael Bendis comparisons, yeah, which I'm always honored. Early, honored, yeah, honored. Early, early Bendis, you are all over it, man. It's got the black and white thing. It's dialogue heavy and it's character heavy. Right. So, like, I get I get strong indie Bendis vibes from your Absolutely. Stuff. And it's something, yeah. again, it's, look, you know, it's dinosaurs versus Mars bots. You're going to see all this kind of crazy conspiracy stuff. You're going to see aliens. You're going to see dinosaurs. You're going to see ray guns. You're going to see all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a little weird. These are absolutely human stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are absolutely about whoever the main character yeah, it's, is. It's, mm-hmm. it's like The Walking Dead. It's, yes. it's a book about characters. They just happen to be in a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. And yeah. I appreciated, you know, you kind of helped me when I've been, I, I hope we're not straying too far off of wherever my train no. of thought was. But This is your show, man. This is your episode. <laughs> I, as you guys both know, because I've been picking your brains, I've been struggling with how to pitch D versus M. Mm-hmm. I feel good about it. I feel like I'm, 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 I have something here of value, and I feel like people would enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. But the trick is always how do you pitch? How mm-hmm. do you pitch it? How do you feel, under, get people to understand what this thing is if they're completely new to it? And I've gone through many different phases with this. As we were talking about before, originally it was dinosaurs versus Mars bots, and I really leaned into the B-movie thing. Mm -hmm. I really leaned into the pulp. And I thought it would be sort of subversive and fun if people picked up this thing that I was like, the dinosaurs, there's aliens, there's ray guns, like, you know, and they pick it up and suddenly they're reading like a very personal, sentimental, thoughtful story with a lot of dialogue. And, you know, it's like, oh, he kind of bamboozled me. There's actually a character story here. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. A time came, though, where I felt like maybe surprising a customer is not a great move. Like, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe like, because there, I can imagine there is somebody who is saying, yeah, I want to see a Tyrannosaur get into it with a robot, you know? Right, and then they yeah. read it, and it's like, what is all this stuff with Jenny? I, hey, Dude, I, I run into that. I, ha- I have run into that so much with Kadoja. Okay. Right? Because Kadoja to me, stands out in the giant monster landscape because it is an actual serious take on giant monsters. Right. right? Do I like to have fun? Of course I do. But it is a it is a darker, horror-oriented, more serious take. Yes. And as I'm trying to sell people, and this dates back a lot to like the comic shops that I would try to sell it to, both in my indie days and, and when I first got signed, you know, when I first had the contract with Invader and we're getting the books there, it's like... Oh, is it is it campy and rubber suity? It's like no motherfucker. It's no. like a serious, you know, serious minded story. So I I totally get that. Because so you totally understand. so many people yeah. want uh, Tim Burton Mars Attacks with ray guns. Right. You know, like right. and that like the, yeah, I could sell this book to you that way, but like that ain't that ain't it. And, and that's, that's not the it. strength. Yeah. And I didn't want to mislead people in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's when and you've been through me through this period. Uh, I pivoted to like, you know what? It's D versus M. So I'm not going to say dinosaurs versus Mars spots anymore because it's going to like people are going to feel we're going to do D versus M. It sounds weird. Acronymy. What does that mean? And like when they just will, I'll lead with the character stuff Mm -hmm. and the surprise rather than rather than selling them a pulp thing and surprise them with character work. I will sell them a character thing and surprise them with off the wall sci-fi horror. Yeah. I think that's the safer route. Yeah. 
And I've been struggling with this and talking to you guys about it. And for some reason, I had never connected Walking Dead. You had brought out, uh, you brought up to me, you're like, I think you're, you're being shy about the dinosaur thing. Mm-hmm. And the that, dinosaur thing's going to get people's attention. Totally. It's what, so like, when we met you, the concept alone, I was like, and, and like you just said, you're like, there's people that want to see a Tyrannosaurus Rex fuck up a, a Mars, right. yeah. like, bot, right? Right. I'm one of those people. Sure. Yeah. So, but reading the book, um, and because that's how you were pitching it at the show the first time we met you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I read it, I was like, huh. Oh, this isn't what I expected, but I enjoyed it still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, but maybe I'm not everyone. Like, maybe there are people that are expecting. I was just looking for a fight. You right. Know, yeah. For, for 20, 30 pages or whatever. It's me on Friday nights at the bars, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, right. but, yeah, I think, I think steering completely away from it, for me specifically, I think it's a a mistake right. because it is part of your story, yeah. but it's just not the whole story. Right. And mm-hmm. I think if you can find a way of, of mentioning it all, but in a way that is in, in the vibe of the book, like, like the walking dead, but instead of zombies, it's dinosaurs and, and Martians. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was the, when you brought up, they're like, you know, with walking dead, they're not avoiding the topic of zombies. They're mm-hmm. leading like it's a zombie show, yeah. Yeah. zombie apocalypse Absolutely. show, yeah. And then people start watching, and they realize like, well, yeah, it is a zombie show, but it's mostly about Rick, and mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and it's more character stuff. It's more humans and how humans deal with each other and why uh, humans are awful, <laughs> like that yeah. kind of yeah. yeah, totally. But who is the Walking Dead? Is it the zombies or the humans? Because right. they're essentially food for the majority of the world. Well, and that's what we talk about too. Again, can't. We have so many conversations, it's hard to separate online from offline, yes, on air from off air. But it's the difference between your pitch and your story. Yeah. You know, your your pitch is one thing and your story is the other. And you definitely want an intersection there. But it's not that goddamn important to have that intersection right. there. Right. You know, it's, it's nice to have a fair amount of overlap. Right. But, you know, like D versus M is a is a – a thoughtful enough book to where like a pitch is never going to tell you what it is. So you sort of have to go for whatever the imperfect pitch is. That's going to tell you what, I mean, you've heard, you know, you've heard us say both on the air and in person, how, you know, the second shift Kadoja wanderers, three protectors pitches, they're not wholly accurate, right? They're close enough, right? Close enough. They're close enough. They get you there. I'm going to find out whether you're interested in this one and a half seconds when I say what I'm about to say. Right. Right. And then we're going to go from there. Right. And I, I think – so I think I'm zeroing in now on a better – I think what is probably – at least a, a pitch that I'm more comfortable with, which is I'm, I'm not going to shy away from anything. I'm going to – like I'm – and I've been saying dinosaurs versus Mars bots more often. Mm-hmm. Just, it's like, well, it's not. But then I'm also making a point every time to emphasize uh, – eyewitness accounts mm-hmm. yes. from the dinosaur Martian war. Yeah. And I think that gives you a balance yeah. where you're like, all right, so totally. it's going to be very much about an individual story in the midst of this crazy backdrop. Yeah. And well, and this, this goes into my favorite method of pitching, you know, which is the concentric circles pitch, you know, like I, I think I've made no secret about this um, over the podcast that while we're sitting here in Arizona, 
uh, tomorrow night, my family will be opening my table at Monster Palooza and will be running my table Friday and Saturday. So Eden, who's going to be running a lot of the booth, has been um, we've been talking about that, you know, so I gave her a document and I just said, hey, you know, like, do you like the concentric circles idea? She's like, yeah. And, you know, so you you can do that, too. Right. Dinosaurs versus Mars bots. And then are you interested? And then eyewitness accounts of the dinosaur Martian war, right? And then you just go from there, right? And, and what I think now that I have three especially, and I don't know if, if you guys noticed it, I have the little table sign uh, when we set up the booth. This will be a sort of a test of this approach. I think it might help people also understand it better. Where Now that I have three distinct stories, I can break it down as this one's about a man in black. This one's about an innocent bystander. This one's about a scientist in a top secret facility. Yeah. And you very quickly get to say, oh, okay, I see. So each one of these is going to be, I think that helps you by, with those 100%. examples. Totally. You see, yeah. okay, okay, I think I know what you're doing here. Yeah. Because we'll you see. do, you do as a fan, um, like, well, Scott and I were talking about this on the way up, that one of the things we both love so much about Dinosaurs versus D versus M um, for me is like you've really touched on a kind of story that I would love to mess with someday, which is the triangulated story. The story where you see you're going to see six separate pieces of something and there's meaning in the middle that you are going to have to figure out, yes. uh, you know, like and maybe we've talked about this, you know, like, look, there are novels out there like this because I know I talked with Mike Perkins a lot about about this concept of like, isn't, wouldn't it be cool? And these things are out there to have a short story collection where all the short stories basically center around a common idea. That is, that's D versus M. Yes. Right. It's super yes. cool. And with a accumulated meeting, meaning, mm -hmm. which is a tricky thing to write. <laughs> I, my, my four issue comic that's brand new is an accumulating, accumulated meeting book. Yeah. It's fun. And, and the clue dropping at the writing phase can be fun, but it can also be maddening to what you're talking about. Right? But it also, I can tell you now, so now I've basically wrapped up what I'm dubbing part one of mm -hmm. the I have the first three done, there's three more to come. Now there's enough laid out where people are going to start, and they're already seeing it, but they're going to continue to see all these little crossovers and connections. And you'll see how they're, they all are, even the very first one, woven into each other. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's hard to tell when you've only read one or two, but once you continue reading them, you realize like, oh, there is, there is actually kind of a, an yeah. overarching idea here. And, and the, this is, it seems very loosely connected, but without a doubt, there are connections. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so, so on the way up, Keith and I are actually having a conversation about your books. Um, you know, because it's fresh in our minds. I had just read it, and I had asked him if he had seen your trailer. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I saw it. And I was just like, yeah, it's really well done. And um, that's when we were talking about the fact that on your last, like, two YouTube episodes ago, um, by the time this airs, probably, like, four or five, um, where you had talked about you were more a cinephile than you were a comic book fan. And you looked at comic books almost like a storyboard to the stories that you were doing, like the movie. Sort of. In paper form, right? I was making... I, when it comes to D versus M, it's very much... The way my process works, the way it comes out of my head, it's very much the comic version of the movie in my head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's... And it's not... I, I'm always a little uncomfortable with this because I do love comics and I love comic fans and obviously I'm making a comic and I'm trying to sell it to comic fans so I, I, I 
And I know some comic fans, I don't know if you've met them as well, get a little irritated when you talk about the framing of a panel as like a shot. Like, I, I don't know if yeah. you've ever encountered but they're like, it's, that's movie language. Well, right. I, I yeah. haven't experienced a fan that talks like that. But I have read um, well-known artists, like one specifically jumps out to my mind, where he begrudgingly, not begrudgingly, he, he hates that. Right. Yeah. He straight up hates when you go, you talk about panels as the camera. Where's the camera in this panel? Is it top? Is it low? He goes, it's not a camera. He goes, it's a, it's a shot. It's a, it's a comic book. It's a panel. It's not a movie. And it's just like, dude, it's just... It's like a shorthand to right. talk to talk about the book from the certain angle. People understand if yeah. you say it a certain way, it makes it clearer. It makes it just you know easily to understand. So right. it's not that big of a deal. And and when people get so hung up on that, it's like I think you're taking the wrong thing away from comic books. Absolutely. It's misdirected love. It's or it's yeah. love perverted or something. Yeah, it's like, I get yeah. that you really care about this and you see it as its own art form distinct from movies. And I totally agree. 100% agree. But yeah, it can take this sort of, I don't know, creepy, crabby turn where you're just like, no, no, yeah. no, that's not the vocabulary. So, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, something something I I mentioned to people, I don't know, when I'm three-fifths drunk or something, is is like, well, okay, why, why do we make so many Star Wars references? Why do we make so many, why do I make so many Metallica references? Why do I make so many Stephen King references? Well, number one, I love all three of those things, right? Number two, I bet you understand the language I'm speaking when I make that reference. Could I Could I drop a reference from Emily St. John Mandel right now? I could. Who the fuck's going to get it? You know, like a few people might. Could I, could I drop, could I name check, you know, the thrash band Testament? I could. Nobody will understand what I'm talking about. And I'm not interested in, sound, in trying to be clever to be clever and put one over on you. Right? We're here to talk in common language so it's understood. Right. So using movie language to describe comics is what people understand. You know, I, I just had this conversation with somebody and I was saying, like, I don't think movies are the greatest art form in that we have. You know, like I could I could make a strong argument that books, novels mm -hmm. are a, a better pure art form than movies and I can make a strong argument that comics are a better pure art form than movies mm -hmm. it doesn't number one it doesn't mean I'm right mm -hmm. and number two it sure as shit doesn't mean that those things are more popular because movies are what are popular right movies regardless of what you think about their inherent quality are are the are the top of the food chain right authors who write million selling books have people come up to them at signings and say, I can't wait to see your book as a movie. Right. Right? This book has sold a million fucking copies or hundreds of thousands of copies and people are telling them that they can't wait to see it as a movie because that's how we think. We, we, we have decided right. as a society that movies are the top of the food chain. So if you use movies as your language and that's the top of the food chain, then I don't think there's anything wrong with using movie terms to talk about stuff or saying you're a cinephile or in your case, Gary, being informed by movies as you go and make a style of art that is incredibly cinematic in nature. Right. I agree. I don't feel uncomfortable about it. I just... And I, and I do. I, I share this feeling that when people get a little annoyed by it, 
seems a little silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... They need to get over it. I get over it. I'm fine. I can sleep. No, over they it. need to get over it. Oh, they, I, they need like definitely good that you get over it, but they need to get over their. Bullshit. They need to get right. over it. They need to sleep over it. What they need to do is find a friend, right, who makes weed butter, <laughs> and then they need to get that friend to pop up some popcorn with that weed butter on right. it, and they need to take a chill, and they need to find the right number of kernels, the right number of pieces that makes them chill out. Is this hypothetically? Right. Is this of course just, it's hypothetical. Of course. Of yeah. course. Because who would actually do any of that? Yeah. Is that know. even Nobody. possible? I feel Nobody. like I'm just writing science fiction as we talk right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I have a uh, 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 an example of something that I really dislike. Uh, well, when I was a kid. I think it bothers me less now as I'm older. But when I was a kid, I hated when you would go, when people would go, Oh, uh, I was like, oh man, did you see that movie? It was really good. And they go, the book was better. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. How about that? You want to go? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Yeah. Right yeah. It's like, guess what? I got friends. I don't have time to go sit at home and read books for hours. I watched the fucking movie. I had two hours to give it. Guess right. what? I gave it the two hours. I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. You know, but it was just something that drove me insane. It's just like, but can we just talk about the movie? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm so happy that you're well read. But I didn't read the fucking book and I watched the movie and I really enjoyed it. Can right. you not be shitty about this? Yes. Right. And it wasn't just the fact that it was just like, oh, you really should you should read the book. Like that I can be okay. It with. wasn't it wasn't someone with a genuine yeah. enthusiasm yes. for the book who wanted yes. to tell you that like was saying, Yeah, the it's like they're like, trying to bring you if down. If you loved the movie, boy, you really then should check out the check book. Out like the it's book. not like, like there's this is like more. Yeah. More yeah. of the thing you love. Yeah, yeah. that's you know, that's not that. That would be my argument for like Ready Player One, right? right? Which like I was thoroughly entertained by the movie, but I thought the book was really cool and like incredibly different. And since we're, you know, since I'm babbling about it, the book worked. The things in the book, in many cases, are different from the movie because they worked for the book and would not work for the movie. So that's what I thought was cool about the movie. Like, they tried to make it, like, understandable and visual because I don't have this page space to explain everything to you. Yeah. But, yeah, that's different than, like, the book was better. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're just being shitty. Yeah. It's like, you're trying to bring me down. I was on a high horse about, like... It's like, I felt great about this, and now you're trying to make me feel bad about yeah, it because yeah. you're cool and I'm not. Yeah, exactly. And, and exactly. that's what I did when I said, you're a nerd and I have friends. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to bring you down too. How about that? Exactly. Nothing wrong with reading All books. All three of us are nerds. Look, yeah, exactly. nothing wrong with reading books, but if you're going to be shitty, guess what? I'm really good at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think you know something uh, Scott and I were also talking about on the drive up was the high level of quality that D versus M is for someone's first comic. Right. You know? Thank you. And, Thank you. and like, like you've said a lot of times, either on our podcast or on your live stream, like you didn't, you didn't make any of this fucking easy on yourself. No, I didn't. You, you said, you know what? I'd like to do a comic. <laughs> and some people might say 22 pages is enough, buddy. You know, <laughs> yeah. now I do will tell mini. you. So, so start with a mini. The, the fun thing is, too, is that you, you know, are going around the table here, right? You're like, I want to do a comic. Let's do a six part triangulated story, mm-hmm. you know, across uh, six different times mm-hmm. that's going to take roughly 360 to 400 pages of real estate, right. right? Scott, all these years ago, was like, I got an idea for a comic. We're doing a five-part miniseries, and it's going to lead into, or you know, and it's going to lead into this larger design that's going to be a full-blown thing. That's my homage to the thing I love: superheroes. Right. right? Me, I sit down and go, I want to do a comic. Let's do a mega multi-part epic 
that's that's you know four sub stories in one that combine into a larger story that that culminates you know oh i don't know 18 20 issues in right yeah. like we we signed ourselves up for this and it's it's kind of wild um but yeah none of us really wanted to take the easy way out of it it's all. madness and it's you know if 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 someone and every once in a while i do get to talk to a a young creator or someone who's you can tell they're just peering over the edge of being an, a creator of some kind. They're like, oh, I have this idea and I've been thinking about doing it. And how would you, how did you start? You know, you can tell they're, and well, they may or may not. Yeah, they may or yeah. may not. Like some, a lot of those people, you know how it goes. They'll, yeah. they'll, they're never going to do it. If they're still thinking about it, they're probably not going to do it. Right. But some of them, they are just looking for the right nudge and, and they will start. Um, I would never give advice that would be anything close to what I did. Yeah. Like, I, this was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same. this is a classic, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I would say, like, try a mini or try a mm. one shot. Yes. Like, just a, a little 20 pager yeah, or something. That's or, my advice to that's all a lot ours. of people on, yeah. on the pod is, yeah. is telling them, you know, like, when you're first starting out, do a one shot story. Mm -hmm. Do even a mini. You know, yeah. do it, like, just, like, like one a, a, six, a six pager. Yeah. Do a yeah. six pager, you know, like... Do something simple, like make it easier on yourself initially, and you can find out what you liked about that single story, and then move move on from there. Yep. Okay, if I can handle the six page, that was a lot of fun. Let me move to twelve. Yep. You know, that's mm -hmm. half of an issue. Okay, there's there's a little bit more under your belt. It takes a little bit longer than that six page, or you're doubling up, right? Okay, double up again. Now you're twenty four pages. Now you're on to a single issue. How you feeling? You still good? You think you can handle more? Okay, do a two parter, three parter. You know, go from there. But to jump straight in like we all have, it's kind of like, well, we're going to be doing this a while. Doing it for a while. And I think it and I don't obviously I don't mean this literally. It indicates a certain type of mental illness on our parts. I think I think almost the whole comic industry is. Is maybe. Yeah. But like and and I, I actually I just uh, guested on someone else, someone's YouTube stream, uh, Christopher Runsman, who if. If you're listening, uh, he has a great YouTube channel, uh, very encouraging. I was just telling Keith off air, sort of like a Bob Ross kind of energy. It's very okay. nice, but he does one-page comics every day. He'll do an entire comic on one page, okay. a little story. I, he invites uh, topics just from the chat, like what should the, give me a one-page comic idea, and people will throw out something crazy, oh, nice. and he'll just spend the day just. And he does mixed media. He's a lot of fun. It's just That's fun cool. to watch. And he had me on. Uh, I had him proofread. D vs. 1979, the latest one before it went to print. I wanted someone who had never seen it before, had no idea what was going to happen in it, had not read a draft of the script or anything. I needed complete virgin eyes because I wanted to see, is there anything that I'm not seeing anymore? Because mm -hmm. I'm just too close to it. And everyone else around me is too close to it. Um, so he read through it and he, he was, gave a lot of helpful notes and uh, sent it off and then he's like, I would like to have you on the show to talk about it. So I went on his show, and he asked me at one point, he's like, so tell me, what what, uh, what did you do before D versus M? And I was like, what you? I didn't know what, I was like, do you mean like... Like, like with, I was, with your free time, like yeah, 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 yeah. I was born in a town in Bethlehem. Watched, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like I what, like I what watched do you mean? golf every now. Yeah, and then. you know, and yeah. he's like, no, like what comic projects? And I was like, oh no, this was my first swing. And I would like to say that he seemed awestruck. He seemed horrified. <laughs> he's like what and I I get it it's a, it was a crazy thing I don't know I don't know why I took this on you know uh, that it's... that was something I think that 
I remember now what prompted bringing you up because we were, Keith and I were on the drive up talking just in general about comic creating and, and things like that. And like, you know, writers, artists, and it's like, Keith was like, look, we're not talking about the savants. We're not talking about the people that just get it and understand it and like know how to do it right away. Like, and I was like, you know, Gary's a little bit of a savant when it comes to comic making. Mm -hmm. And it's because your first comic attempt is so well done. There's, there's nothing that I can find fault in with it. And, And not that I was looking, but when you read it, there's just like, this is someone that seems like they've been doing it a while. Yeah, and so I think your Bob Ross friend there, he's he is very much in that that realm of like that's why he responded the way he did. Yeah. Was like, what did you do before this? And you're like, this is the first thing. And and so I understand his reaction going like, Oh shit, really? Yeah. Because that was kind of my reaction too. Uh, when after I read the first that's, issue, yeah, I mean, I, kind. I, I didn't, kind. I didn't have a chance. Um, the rapper, I didn't have a chance. The rapper uh, to to talk about this um, <laughs> when when we were in the car. But you know, my hunch, my hunch is there is something. Even though this is your first comic, that there is something that has been lurking that he that you have been working on for a very long time. And if the answer to that is no, then guess what, Gary, you are a savant. Uh, no, I mean, I, look, this this is actually when I dug into because I thought about it afterward. I'd never thought of it th- about it that way. I I have, and maybe this counts. It must count uh, because I, I can't. I, I'm not a savant. <laughs> I'm not. A, I refuse to accept that handle. I think it's. I have lots and lots and lots of unfinished, unfollowed through mm-hmm. projects. So. Even though I never had anything to point to where I like, I have you know three or four half finished screenplays. I have a novel that's a third finished. I had ideas for comics, like so. There was a lot of creative stuff happening in my brain, and like a lot of failed and aborted and. But D versus M nineteen seventy five was the first finished book. The thing, the first thing that I saw yeah. to the end and put out. So that, I'm gonna we're gonna go ahead and say yeah that's that's savant esque for your first <laughs> issue because look I drew comic books as a kid right. that I did not follow up on I did not finish them I had a cool idea I got four or five pages in I got bored as hell because I was a kid and mm-hmm. I and I had another idea for a story that I wanted to do so I hopped onto that right and then I did one or two pages of that and I thought of a new story right and I hopped onto that this okay. those don't count okay those don't count as me making comic books I have another one I have the um, the famous never seen second shift zero which i did complete but it was like i wrote it and it was trash Mm -hmm. and so it's like the world will never see this um so maybe that counts as my first comic because i did in fact finish it i just didn't publish it that 100 percent counts Um, i agree by the way okay yeah so but it was like but that was trash and then um, you know, in the first story arc, like I look back, I, I, like I enjoy a lot of the stuff that I did in the first story arc, but there's, there's so many problems with it too. Looking back, it's like, dude, this didn't happen. This is like, what was this? So like, I look, look at it and I can take it apart and go, there's so much that needs to be changed and fixed yeah. that it, it's, it's a success that it was created and that I'm like. I'm happy that I did did it, and like the majority of it, I am still proud of. Mm-hmm. But there's so many issues with it that I'm just like, 
this is why you should start with like a one-shot story because then it won't be part of this collected you know thing yeah. that i'm doing yeah whereas yours was just like yeah i don't see any problems here like we're good <laughs> okay so i i will say that you have proved me right right that it's that un- i so yes uh, yeah, fuck your savant shit. I am not no, nearly uh, drunk enough to handle this conversation. <laughs> no, no, but 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 I, but but I think I think you've you've proved th- that was that was my hunch. Okay, is that there was something underlying there? Yes, that, that I've that always you got been. The I think a creative. Yes. I have yes. always been, and I've always fumbled at this. Yeah, it was only with seventy five where I finally was like, okay, no more of this nonsense. I want to follow through. Yeah, and like, and I, I, I think. Wanna... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that's I, well, okay. I mean, I I think that's. That's a huge takeaway for anybody that's listening to this, right? Because what the last couple minutes of conversation to me have really brought home is the fact that everything always matters. Yes. It all adds up. If and this is what, you know, in in the context of when I when you know, when you were like seemed surprised where I said like, "Oh, for my for my 70,000 page novel, I probably threw away at least 110,000 words." That was a staggering number, by the way. That yeah, I mean, and but I think that's pretty normal. And and the thing is it all counts, right? All like counts. because you wrote it. You got better that day. Yes. You may you you didn't use it in your final product because your story didn't warrant it, but you got better, you know? And so, yeah, the the vibe that that I've been taught, the vibe that I believe and the vibe that I think I see out there on the, you know, in the proof of people's work is that everything always counts. The Here's- work always counts even if you throw it away. So everybody out there listening, just remember, every bit of work you do, it always counts even if you never publish it. It matters and it counts. Here's my analogy. Uh, you know, if you're trying to get good at doing pull-ups and you can't do a pull-up, what do they tell you to do? They tell you just to hang on the bar. So you go and hang on the bar. How many pull-ups did you do today? Zero. Mm-hmm. Are you closer to being able to do a pull-up? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and I think failed projects are sort of like that. Mm-hmm. I think you're getting something out of it. You know, you're in... Those dead ends are instructive. And there was something I said in the thank you page uh, when I was actually calling uh, you out, Keith, was that you had given me a bunch of notes on one of the rough drafts of the script, and I had taken some of your suggestions and discarded others, but even the ones I discarded were useful because they make you think about why it's bad feedback, <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, right. simply, like, yeah, you, have totally. to, you have to answer, you know? Yeah. I think it should be this way. Why, why do you disagree? And now you have to justify your creative decisions. That's useful. That's why even feedback that is, you know, not something you're actually going to act on is useful. I think right. it's sort of the same thing we're talking about, where even something that looks like it's not forward momentum, and even if it's something that's not actually ending up in the final result, can actually help you be a more seasoned creative. You know, I was I was looking for this fucking quote because I used to have this quote as part of my Facebook profile. Okay. Back when we did that sort of thing, right? <laughs> I don't think I don't think that even exists anymore. It might right? be buried in there somewhere. It, I, I couldn't find it just now, but you know, little booze and 30 seconds does not make a, a concerted effort. Right. But there's this awesome quote from someone who's like, you know, a, one of these like mega wealthy people. And it, it's exactly that. It's okay. like Success doesn't teach you anything. Yes. Failure teaches you a lot because with every failure, you're forced to to take that failure apart 
and understand the individual things that led to that failure so that you understand all the individual pieces and you hopefully never do it again. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, you saying like, well, I had this feedback, this part of the feedback, it wasn't really useful, but it was. What that does to you is it makes you go, well, all right, I have to sit and think now. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he's asking me this question. Why Why are you doing this? Okay, well, now I have to think it through. And I've never thought it through before. Or maybe you have, right? right. But Ed used to do that to me when we, we were creating Second Shift and like like putting everything together. He would ask me tons of stuff about the characters. And he had tons of questions that I've never thought about before. Mm-hmm. And it was so useful because I was like, I've never been confronted with this question. Yeah. So if someone gives you like look, I think it should be this way. Why is it this way? And why did you do these choices? And you're like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Or I never yeah. put that down onto paper. I've never said why I'm doing these things. But then you can work through it and, and have an understanding of why you did it that way. And you know, after you said it, you're like, yeah, of course, this is why I did it. But you've never said it out loud. You never put it on paper. And then that can help you in the future right. if you're doing something else and you're like, okay, well, they have these questions, so these questions are unanswered, so I can bring this up in the next edition, and, and that kind of appeases that, you know. Yeah, totally. Right. No, I think you're, you're saying something that I think might be helpful to some people listening out there, which is, so there's this thing that's used a lot in a, uh, you know, business speak, mm-hmm. right? And it's this, uh, God, what is the model? It's, um, I can't remember who came up with it, but it's this idea of the five whys, Right. And all that means is you you ask a question and you get an answer and then you say in so many words, why is that answer what it is? And then you give the other answer, another answer. You say, why is that answer what it is? And you keep on going. Now in business, you generally don't even need to get to five. You're probably going to get to the real answer in about three or four if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just you know, creating fake ass questions to make it look like you had five. You know, <laughs> but, but I think that sort of questioning that Ed did with you. I think that sort of questioning really comes in helpful, um, handy when we're talking about character work, right? Like it, it all, look, stories always come back to the character work. And, and, and so when you're asking these deep, deep questions, you know, and it's important to know the answer. And to your point, you know, to go back to our infamous bag of chips, you know, theory, right? Like, it isn't important to necessarily sit down with every character and go, what chips do they like? Right. right? What's important is to know, like, we've, you know, I know we're repeating ourselves a you little get, bit. You but get like, a vibe. You, you get the vibe, right? right? And you're like, yeah. they would like this. Right. Yes. You know, what because, was, because what this was is the kind someone... of person they would, right? And Off so, the cuff, you know. Like, exactly. You, never, you don't have to sit and design it out and make a note. It doesn't have to be a specific. Just, it's right. like, this dude, he's a barbecue chip type of guy. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Something right. exactly. like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's, yeah. You get a vibe off of the character. If you if you know them well enough, you can deduce things that they would enjoy in life. Mm-hmm. So right. it doesn't have to be written down specifically. Chips, yeah. you know, yeah. ruffles. Right. And, and more importantly, how they react. You know, chips are great, but like what's most important is how they react to serious developments in the story. Yeah. And I think I would, I know I've done this where I'll write out something that I think was the answer 
And then you may go back with a little more thorough knowledge of the character. You're like, they totally would not answer this this way. They would not behave this way. Yeah. I got to rewrite this right now with how they actually will behave. And then they do that. And now here we go. The story starts to spin out into interesting organic directions. They're actually, just for a little bit of behind the scenes 1979 trivia, there was uh, one panel where I knew I wanted some dialogue. Actually, it's not even dialogue. Some writing. This isn't really spoiling anything. There's a hallucination sequence mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Deaver's 1979. Yeah. And one of the characters, there's this, she's sort of talking to herself in this hallucination sequence, and there's this very stylized dialogue kind of smeared across the page. And I had some placeholder dialogue in there, very intentionally placeholder, uh, placeholder where I'm going to write this entire comic before I decide what exactly that says. Because I think by the time I'm done, I'll have a much better bead on this character and where their head would be in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I'll be able to write something that much better if I've spent 60 weeks drawing this book as opposed to whatever it was at that point, 35 or 40, you know? And so, yeah, there was just placeholder text there the whole time until I finally circled back. It's like, okay, now what's... What's, what are the words? Yeah. What are the, what's that going to be? And that's yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Well, and I think that also ties back to something that um, we've been talking a little bit about today, which is this idea of you're going to be better tomorrow. I always want people to say my current book is my best book. Right. Because it should be. Right. You know, right. okay, okay. Maybe maybe you won't, like, maybe, maybe when Animals comes out, people aren't going to think that's my best book. Because a giant monster fan might say to themselves, right. eh, Kadoja volume four, number one's better. Or exactly. whatever it's going and to you, be. And right? that's something you can live with because it's like, okay, well, this is the genre you're interested in. Right. And it's my re- most recent of that series. So exactly. as long as you feel like your current work is someone's favorite or the majority's favorite. Exactly. It's just like you you're, you can live with that and that's what you want. Exactly. Um, and then it's also, though, like you kind of, like you were saying. You're like, well, if this isn't my fa- your favorite work of mine, it's like you feel a certain way because it is your most recent one, right? Right. But if they go, I really like Jenny, then you go, right. oh, okay. Yeah, you, right. you were exactly. into yeah. that character. Well, and that becomes like the taste thing. So, yeah, if someone comes along and, and they look at animals and like, yeah, that's cool, but I'm really into giant monsters. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you, you can't really take that personally. Exactly. It's like yes. You, you're, or, you yeah. want strawberry ice cream. Yeah. And I can make the best chocolate in the world, but you yeah. still want strawberry, and that's yeah. cool. Exactly. I get that. Or, or you're not into the kind of storytelling that I'm going with with animals here, right. which is just a little bit more vague and weird and atmospheric and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm doing that on purpose. But it's not. It's a little bit less conventional comic, and yeah, to that to that yeah. point, right? Is I mean, we're creating this. Look, we love creating it for others. We love yeah. others enjoying it. But you know, the, it's the old adage that creators create for themselves first every single time. And and if you're creating for yourself and you're making something that you're pleased with, then you know that it's time to bring it out into the world and see what happens. And I really feel like, and I'm trying to get better and better at this. And this is something I've been thinking a lot now that 79 is out the door. And this kind of circles back to the very earliest part was, how are you feeling and how's the feedback coming? <laughs> feedback is going well. How am I feeling? It's weird. And I'm sure, I'm assuming you guys can relate too. There's something weird about if you've been in a big project for a while and you've put a lot of yourself into it and now it's done. I, I don't, I've not had this experience, but I imagine it's probably a little bit like raising a kid and they've left for college, you know, and now you're mm-hmm. like, 
So what do I do with myself? Yeah, like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a strange feeling. And I'm trying to navigate that transition to winding that whole machine down, the 79 machine down, and figure out, like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how quickly do I want to throw myself into writing D versus M number four? Mm-hmm. How much time do I think I need? Do, like, I want, do I need to enforce some vacation on myself. Like do you I want need... to decompress. Yeah. Like yeah, what's right, the yeah. right, like I don't want to, because I, you know, I'm not going to lie after I do a page a week, 79 was 60 pages, 60 pages of drawing. That's a lot. It That's a, a lot. lot of you work, know, 60 man. weeks of drawing. And yeah, a so lot of a plaid jacket, a lot of plaid jacket, <laughs> a lot of weird dinosaurs, a lot of blood splattered rooms, a lot of things that are really yeah. hard to draw. A lot of you wallpaper. Know? Yeah, a lot of weird <laughs> wallpaper, a lot of perspective. It's a lot of pe- soldiers with machine guns. It's the bane of my existence. Like I hate that stuff. Um, so it's it's just so complicated. So, and I was feeling pretty burned out toward the end. Right now, because I'm a terminal artist, uh, I just I am already thinking about like, so how's that script gonna go for the mm-hmm. next one? Yeah. How am I gonna do that? And what like what are some of the panel? I can picture some of the maybe the two-page spreads in my head but I know I'm not ready even yeah. though I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it I know I'm not ready so how much time how much yeah. time do I force so are you myself? in the cloud gathering composting stage yes and, and like and and that's something else Keith and I were talking about on the way up it's like it's something you can do here and there you don't right. have to fully commit yourself to it all the time yes. so if you're not ready you just in the back of your mind or when you're just doing something mundane, you can sit and you can think about it and you're like mowing the lawn like, oh yeah, that would be pretty cool. And then you can right. jot that down, right? And That's you let the that stage marinate. I'm at with the fourth one. And and so like the good news is you're starting. Yes. But you're just in a different you know, uh, stage of it. You know It's a looser it's 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 actually, in my opinion, maybe the most fun stage. It's the beat me to the point that I was going to say. That that was the addendum to what we were talking about in the car. We talked about that in the car. We are in full agreement. This is the fun part. Joyful, creative, where, yeah, it's, and because it's not, there's no toil in it. It is, it is directed daydreaming. It's directed pretend. It's like, what would be kind of a cool scene to see in that fourth Mm -hmm. one? If this is my premise, like how, what would be, what's something I've never seen before? That's fun, a fun idea. Yeah. And there's, it, there's no structure to it. Yeah. Like, off-air, I'll be able to tell you, I have all these glimpses. These are things you're going to see in the comic. I don't know how it goes together yet. Mm-hmm. But, like, these are, like, I think this would be a cool little scene. And something like this. And yep. something like that. And But I don't... I, I know the basic story for all of them, for all six. So I know this is basically the story that's going to be told in the next one. And I know it'll probably be these sorts of characters. And I have little... Again, like the movie trailer in my brain. I have these glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. There'll be this, this thing will happen, and this thing will happen. There'll be something like this. I don't know how those go together. I don't know what order they happen, but it's something like that. But I haven't sat down and started hammering out a script yet, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. What I was talking to Mary about the other day was, I have on my phone, I can show you guys. Toward the end of Drawing 79, just to keep myself from going insane, I made a list of all the video games I'm going to play <laughs> yeah. when I'm done drawing. And it's the scrolling list of notes. Like, there's no way right. I'll play all those games. Right. Okay, so I finished drawing, and I got the printing done, and there was a period where I was just waiting for the comics to show up. So I had nothing to do. So I was like, well, I'll just start at the list. And for about two weeks, I played a video, one game, finished it. I was like, that was cool. And I was over it. 
It's like I, I, that whole list of games is like I don't yeah. need this. Mm-hmm. And what I it was an interesting aha moment, and this is what I was talking about with Mary. I realized the problem isn't I want to play a bunch of video games and I'm taking time away from it to draw, or you know I want to draw but I'm denying myself drawing because I'm playing video games. I'm realizing about myself I don't want to do anything every day for months mm-hmm. like that's the problem so yeah. like i played one game and like the itch was scratched yeah it was done and yeah. it's like so now i'm also thinking about when i do the next d versus m how do i want to arrange my schedule to kind of maybe like a week a month mm-hmm. i have off I or something yeah. you know something where it's like space a little like, more balanced yeah. the balance yeah. not a thing where i'm a monk and drawing for a year and then I'm goofing off for six months. Like maybe sprinkle in more goofing off, you know, in time. Throughout. Off. I think Throughout. that makes sense. I yeah. think that'll keep you way fresher yeah. through the process. It'll keep you way more engaged through the process. I think too. so. So yeah, that would be uh, like almost like a work-life balance, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need that in your comics as well. Um, maybe try a panel a day as opposed to forcing yourself to complete page. that page a week because then it's a hard set deadline. Yeah. I mean, like a panel a day is a, still a hard set deadline, but it's a very easy attainable goal. Yeah. So it's not as hard as maintaining that page a week. Because sometimes, you know, I don't know. You, your your pages actually they have a tendency to be closer to four to five panels, right? Uh, yeah, I li- I prefer the big panels. So that actually might be a little more stressful for you because then a panel a day. Um, that might well, be produce pushing. produce more work for you actually. Yeah. Well, especially like, since I in every book now, especially I try to do at least it's not like a quota, but I I like when I see an opportunity to do a full page panel, like I like that. And yeah. if I can do a two page spread, like I would love that opportunity. Right. Um, there was in in seventy nine. I think I I did. Yes, I did one two page spread. It's the second I've ever done. In ninety seven, there was one two, and I really enjoyed it. But that was two weeks of work mm-hmm. that was okay. brutal yeah i mean i i think i think that's a great idea that ties it's like scott and keith recap the hits from their drive out right yeah. uh because something else we were talking about uh, i was talking about was the difference between my first and second novel yeah and 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 in one way one very specific way which is the first novel the idea was a little less common in the world Mm-hmm. And by it being a less common idea, and my first novel, it made me want to work harder. Okay, it would be the kind of thing where push yourself just a little bit more, 10 more words, 20 more words, one more paragraph every single day, because that gets you that much closer to the end. The second novel is a very, like when reduced to its, its essence, in its current state, it will evolve into something more complex. It's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, it's very much in the zeitgeist. Right? Okay. Great, great word too. Okay. Um, so now what my challenge is, is is to make it not, to make it my own thing. Yeah. But instead of instead of starting with like what I think is kind of like a banger of an original idea, I'm starting with a common idea because the thing about that common idea is it aligns with personal experience. So it's like, it, this this is the thing I want to write because this is heavy memoir in a lot of ways. It's much more autobiographical than the first novel is. Um, which, hey, speaking of signing yourself up for a high degree of difficulty, I didn't even take the easy route on my first fucking novel. Right. You know? Um, right. 
But what all those things add up to is that I don't feel pressured to write this second novel. If I want to take a week off, I take a week off. If I want to just sit back and think about it and gather clouds, I'll sit back and think about it and gather clouds. And I think that has a lot of value. And I think you allotting yourself, forcing yourself to have personal you know, moments in there and a week or something like that is, is a great way to do it. Right? I think I, it might be uh, the new approach for this next one. Uh, my my stated intention right now, and I'm, this isn't written in stone, but I would like to do all the prep, get a script done, do all the prep, do all my research this year. And I would like to be drawing page one maybe after holidays next year. Okay. That's awesome. That's a lengthy time off. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sorry. That, now I, I feel mean, terrible, man. Well, you know what? Well, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, drawing, I'm starting drawing tomorrow. All right, yeah, this, exactly. this, all right, guys, just forget this episode. This guy's <laughs> not into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but no, you're talking to two guys that are obsessed with making things. No, I understand. So um, it's it's different coming from us, but I get it. I no, don't think I, there's anything wrong. No, there isn't. I'm, yeah. I was fucking with no, you. No, I know, I know. I, and I wasn't affected. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, with, with D versus M's, um, I honestly think hitting that actually doesn't allow a lot of downtime because the the writing first of all the research alone i'll show you the room you're staying in there's a pile of books that i want to read for research for this next oh okay uh this is not not, your just random to read pile no it's not my this this is a different pile exactly yeah and this pile it's because the next one so for again for people who are unfamiliar d versus m focuses on different pov characters the first one focuses on men in black Second one focuses on an innocent bystander. Third one focuses on a, a scientist in a top secret facility. So it's always these different angles of a classified alien invasion type situation. The next one is going to focus on soldiers. Mm. Um, oh, and, the bane and, of and your you existence. Guys, yeah. Well, and you guys have talked about this many a time. Um, the unique challenges in writing military characters mm-hmm. what kind of vocabulary are they using uh what what sounds right what would they say yeah. what kind of equipment would they have what kind of you know that kind of thing that's something especially with divas Zem, where i take pride in doing a lot of research for each one of them and trying to get all the little details right i'm going to have what's effectively uh sort of a black helicopter seal team six mm-hmm. and so i need these guys to seem like Special forces, and yeah. I don't want any special forces guy to ever pick up this book and say like, "Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." Like, I can I connect you read. with one of my buddies. He's a marine. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll connect you with him. He's the one yeah. I I consulted with okay. for uh, that'd be issue great. twelve, especially yeah. once. Uh, be, he, yeah, he'd that'd be great for like a, a first draft read or something. That's like what that, I mean. Right? Like, because yeah. at some point I'll be sure. And as a matter of fact, I'll put you on the spot right now while we're recording. Uh, it's, it's, I like you for one of the military characters in yeah, the next one as yeah. a reference model. And Let me know. So you would be reading, I would want you to read the script anyway, because anytime I have someone pose... It's and always it's gonna, nude. It's always nude, yeah. first of all. And mm-hmm, second, mm-hmm. if it's going to look like you, I want you to know what your character's doing. <laughs> I don't want you to be surprised where it's like... <laughs> What happened? Like, like I got eaten, or he got hit by a ray gun, or something. Oh, like, yeah. I want you to have a good sense of like, this is. I picture you maybe in this part. What do you think? Would you want to do that? Yeah. And so then that would be the opportunity to maybe pass it to your friend and say, hey, 
how off is he with the military stuff? Right. But I have a pile of books about different Delta Force things and the hunt for Bin Laden and all the stuff that I'm going to crash course in and try yeah. and get a feel. Um, so I've got a bunch of books to read. I've got to do all the historic research. There's some location scouting I'm going to do. All the Versems take place in Arizona, and this is a particular forest up north that Mary and I are going to just go take a trip. And while we're up there, I'm going to take a gazillion photos of it just mm -hmm. to get a feel for how this place yeah. looks. Writing a script, doing the story, like the thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like, like it feels yeah. like seven months. Yeah. Is so it's not like when you exactly yeah. that's where it's mm -hmm. like you know what that's going to take me right up to holidays. Fair amount of work. Yes. Mm -hmm. By the time I get clear of holidays, maybe I'll be ready to draw. You know. So that's why I'm saying like you're your own boss. No drawing yeah. is happening this year. There's right. going to be a lot of work, but no drawing. Yeah, totally. There'll be a lot of writing and planning and research. It's a it's a again it's a, it's a fun kind of work. It's a good yes, kind of work. I love it. You know? It's 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 my honestly my favorite part of it yeah okay. yeah hell yeah well hey this was a great conversation as we always have together we're um you know it's funny because we started this episode and we're like what are we talking about and and you know keith was like well we're just going to start talking and it's going to be fine and that's what it was so we hope you guys enjoyed that um gary where can they find you on the social medias oh no hold on let's talk about these beers real quick so um, I I'm gonna let Gary and I'll rate mine as well. Oh, um, uh, go ahead and give us a rating on the Sequench Ale. Uh, so what we're doing a one to ten? That's one to ten. You guys yes. Do. Yeah. Basically, if it's if it's an eight or higher, then you would recommend it to anyone, oh. no matter what beer they have. Yeah. If it's between about six and eight, then you're recommending it to people that it's, like that certain niche. genre. I yeah. would say, like how I rate it, five is completely average. Yes. It's a Coors Banquet. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's inoffensive. It's inoffensive. There we go. Um, a seven uh -huh. is somewhat, like this is my ratings. This is how I, I yes. view it. This a, seven, a seven is solid. Okay. If a person doesn't like the style beer, it's not going to change your mind. A eight it's worth a try if you don't like that style beer. Okay, so eight or above, if you like beer, you should yeah. probably try this beer. Absolutely. Yes, like if okay. it's sour. So this is a sour. Do you guys do half points? Yes. Scott goes into all kinds of fucking oh, numbers. Oh, oh, well then I go like seven point one six. I'm gonna yeah. say I'll go, I'll go in quarters. So I'll go seven point five, seven point seven five. Okay. Eight, right? I'm gonna do a seven point seven five. Okay. I think if you don't like sours. Fuck you. I don't think... <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what kind of pussy? Yeah. No, I, I, like, no, but if you don't like sours, like you were saying, I, I don't think this is going to change your mind, but I think it's a very good sour. I think it's not offensively sour. I think it's right on the edge, where if you're open-minded, like, well, I've never really loved a sour, but I'm open-minded, I would say try it. That's why I'm saying 7.75. I really enjoy it, and I, I don't remember if we said this on air or not. To me, it's like an elevated Corona with lime. If you like Corona okay. with lime, I think this is a Corona with lime plus one. Okay. I would agree with everything you just said. I would say seven and a half, seven point five is pretty fair. Mm -hmm. So I'll go seven point five just to be a little bit different. Um, it is worth the attempt. Um, I enjoyed it the more I went through the can, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so so I did enjoy it quite a bit. Like. I, you know, we talk about it on the pod. Keith and I are both not sour fans, but I will dabble, and it was worth the dabble. I yeah. enjoyed all of it for sure. So seven points, uh, seven point five on okay. that one. Yeah, I'm gonna ditto that. Um, old Rasputin Stout, seven point five. 
I will give like the, the caveat there that you could argue that that speaks a little more to my personal taste in stouts. So this beer might be better than that, but I favor bourbon barrel aged stouts and things along those lines. So for me to get a straight stout, yes, I'm probably a little predisposed to, to knock it down a little bit. So if you just like like straight up stouts, I would argue it's actually a higher score than this, but my personal rating seven and a half. And there's a little bonus for you because halfway through the episode, we took a brief pause and I got myself some bourbon. And uh, so it's Walcott, um, Kentucky-made bourbon, distilled by Barton, 1792. I really enjoyed this. You you sure did, bitch. Yeah, because I I was like, Gary, you seem surprised, but I I refilled my glass. I saw. Oh, yeah. So I probably had four to five fingers. Like, I started off with two, but I kept going back to it. So I really enjoyed this. I would definitely recommend this. I would give this an eight, for sure. Nice. I'm going to go just shy of eight. Like if I could go seven point nine five, I would. Oh, you know, like right. I, I think it's I think it's very good. Yes. And again, I wonder if we start to get into things like personal preference. You know, so for me, seven point five, seven point seven five. I think it's a good bourbon, very good bourbon. But my personal preference is to favor smooth bourbons. Yes. So my favorite bourbons are generally Blanton's, Metallica's Blackened, Angel's Envy. Um, bourbons like that, that like Angel's Envy, for example, is fantastic, but it's finished in red wine casks, which smooths it out, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, what this, this is an excellent bourbon, but it doesn't have that smooth thing that some of the Blanton's type bourbons have. But you know what, Keith? I'll tell you, the more fingers of it you have, the smoother it gets because man, that <laughs> shit was just going down. I know. That's true. I can't that taste anything. True, right? I know exactly yes. what you're talking about because there was a little bit. It's a little harsh. A little yeah. harsh. The initial. first couple sips, you get a little harsh, and that's why I do prefer the bullet. Yeah. Uh, the bullet to me is just easier drinking. I do like, and obviously we're burning through the Walcott. We yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. I find it. It's just a little it, up front. It's a little harsher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. It, after those first initial sips, then it was just, we're good. The yes. fourth drink there. is really smooth. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, Nothing. you can't even tell. Drinking it like iced tea. You I can't feel my face. <laughs> the people at home can't see this. He's got a tumbler full of ice and just <laughs> yeah. bourbon. It yeah. Looks yeah. Like iced tea it's it's coming with us to the show. That's right. <laughs> All right, um, you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Um, if you want to pick up my books, go to AccidentalAliens.com, Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes, Wanderers of Milisana, Anthropomorphic, Dinosaurs versus Humans, all at AccidentalAliens.com. You can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. Man, I'm posting pictures, I'm posting books I like, I'm posting quotes, all kinds of things, and of course the books I do. Um, and if you like those books I do, then check out KeithRFoster.com. I try to put up some blog posts, but I also have a web store where all of my books are available right now, either for order or for pre-order in the case of animals. So yeah, KeithRFoster.com has it all. And you can find me at uh, Instagram, Dinosaurs vs. Marsbots, Dinosaurs vs. Marsbots. You can also find me on YouTube under my name, Gary Hodges. Uh, I have all three of my books in stock now. It's D vs. M. Uh, the tagline is, if Quentin Tarantino did an X-Files, it would probably play out something like this. Uh, so, give it a look. Yes, definitely worth the purchase if you guys... Uh, yeah, high recommend. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. You. If you guys trust us, trust us. This is really, really good. Um, pick up all three. Maybe Gary will send you some stickers. That's so, right. Uh, there we go. Maybe. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, any questions, comments, concerns, 
go to makingcomicspodcast.gmail.com. We will answer those questions, uh, listen to your concerns, and then we might give you some comments for those concerns. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what rhymes with delicious bourbon? Five stars. Five bitch. motherfucking stars. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you you know the deal. Um, so go go over there. Take a couple seconds out of your day, even thirty seconds. A review's great. Words with the reviewer even better. They really help, and we really appreciate it and love it. Guys, we know how many of you guys are listening. Ten billion. Ten billion. Ten billion. Ten billion. Listeners. More people than on planet Earth. More people than on planet Earth. Yeah. I guess can't what? Explain it. We don't have that many reviews. Yeah. Make it happen. Make it fucking happen. <laughs> That's right. Okay? That's right. That's it. <laughs> Guys, look. You, 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 no. We have so little.